welcome, welcome again to this episode of Prospects of Christ. Today, I have a very special guest. He's not only a friend, uh, but he's a former teammate of mine as a river hawk. And we played together at Northeastern State. Want to just give a quick introduction to TJ, and we'll go from there. TJ Foster is an elementary special education teacher in Bentonville, Arkansas, whose ultimate focus is on inclusive practices in education. He originates from Fayetteville, Arkansas, and received his degree from Northeastern State University in 2015, while also being a member of the baseball team from 2010 to 2015, of which we were able to be connected. In addition to his primary job functions, TJ is an active member of the community in Northwest Arkansas, serving on the board for Down Syndrome Connections of Northwest Arkansas, also serving in the children's ministry as a local church, and coaching a 10U girls softball team. His greatest passion is spending time with his family and being a positive male influence for those students in his building, in his classroom, in his school system. TJ. Thank you so much for being on this podcast, man. Thank you. Thank you. The honor is truly mine to, you know, to have this blessing and for you to reach out just out of nowhere and just knew that you had something in your works. And so, man, thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. I will say that we've had a lot of conversations both on the diamond and off the diamond, just in the five years, the four years that we were together and for it to come full circle almost seven years later, it's really hard to believe that, <laughs> that we're here. We're yeah. live on Zoom a couple of states away, not only talking about baseball and life, but let's be honest, we're going to talk about some Jesus today. How cool is that? Man, that's awesome. So TJ, before we get into the nitty gritty of what your faith actually means to you, I just want to take a pause back and Let's talk about life as an athlete. You and I both know because we've been there, done that. But let's just say, hey, TJ, what's your story? How did you become a college baseball player at the Division II level? Give us your story. Yeah, yeah, no, of course. So, you know, growing up, I definitely did the, the dual sport athlete and did football and, and baseball. But, I, you know, I truly knew that that baseball was my passion and that's where I wanted to go to the next level for. And so, you know, come time, I really wasn't for sure where I wanted to go. Never thought I would end up at Northeastern state out of all places. You know, I had a good buddy who I went to high school with who ended up going to Northeastern state for football. And so him, him and I jokingly, you know, as kids said, you know, how cool would it be if we ended up going to the same college together? So he ended up getting a scholarship there for football, and he was the kicker there. Shout out Drew Patton. And there then, you, you know, after that, he gave me a call, and he goes, hey, man, I think this is the school. And so, you know, I knew at a young age that I really wanted to go to school for special education. I knew that that was going to be the route that I was going to take, and I was going to stick to it. So, you know, looking up at the school, looking up Northeastern State, seeing that they had a really good uh, special education program, you know, I was set. And, and just to have that buddy to travel with, and go over there to um, Tahlequah, Oklahoma. And so I was fortunate enough, but, you know, I just gave the coach that was there then, I gave him a ring and said, hey, you have no clue who I am, 
but would you mind driving to Rogers, Arkansas, just come and watch me play? And sure enough, man, he, old Nash Garcia, dropped everything he was doing and headed over to Rogers, Arkansas, and the next morning ended up getting a call and it was offered a scholarship. And so, you know, the rest, rest from there is history. That's awesome. So let's talk about what people don't necessarily hear or talk about. Let's talk about life as a student athlete. Tell me what is the actual grind of a student athlete from TJ Foster's perspective? No, hundred percent. So I can tell you there's, there's a big difference from the student athlete perspective of being in high school to the student athlete perspective of making that transition to the college level. I mean, honestly, for me myself, that was a night and day difference is, you know, once I got to college, the, the expectations were a little higher and, you know, the pressure to perform on a daily basis is definitely there. And, you know, whenever you're on, you get to campus and you're on campus as an incoming freshman, and especially having that, that, that spot being on being a student athlete, I mean, all eyes are on you. And so you're expected to perform to a certain level that maybe other students are not, not expected to. And so I know there's, there's definitely struggle with that of, of trying to hold yourself to that standard. And occasionally, if you didn't reach that certain goal of yours or that, that level that you expected to be at, how that, that can, that added on pressure can, you know, over time, just kind of overwhelm you. And so I know with comes that or just the thoughts of like that being the thought of being overwhelmed and then kind of just feeling like you're stuck. It's like, man, who do I go to for these, these conversations that I know I'm struggling with these certain things as, you know, being a student athlete or one thing I struggled with personally was my time management. I, I was not, I was not ready for 6am conditioning and then a little bit, a little bit of break and then class and then practice and, and study hall after that. And then, you know, just getting used to that grind. It, it took some time, you know, as a, as a new student athlete. That's great. Let's unpack that just a little bit. Talk yeah. about first, let's talk about the pressures because we know they're there. There's a oh, certain yeah. amount of hours that you have to take. There's a certain amount of GPA that you have to attain to, to even play and to perform. But then also we have the pressures of, the coaches have an expectation of we're going to hold you to this certain GPA so that we make sure that everybody is doing what they need to do in the classroom. I remember, for example, whenever we were at NSU and for former the college of mine, Mountain View, we were to sit in the T of the classroom. And I remember that we had just a couple of different ways to keep track of did we actually show up to class? Were we on time? Yep. What's our GPA? Are we making good grades throughout the semester? So there's a lot of extra factors that many people don't even think about that we had to undergo. So TJ, how did you deal with that pressure of the classroom and the athlete life? Yeah. You know, I think, yeah, I, I give it to my parents, you know, that first, that transition. I know that was difficult, but I think they, had the, they set up that firm foundation for me of, you know, they had expectations for me in their household of things that I just, I needed to get done before so-and-so. And so I think therefore, as far as, you know, being an athlete, I think you hit on the dot that even at NSU where 
we would have those GPA meetings to make sure that our grades were up to par. And then not only that, but then, man, I remember vividly Coach Jansen saying that his expectation for us of where we where we were to sit in the classroom and that we were to sit right up front and make our presence known and that it would be nothing for him to reach out to our professors and check that attendance on a daily basis to, <laughs> to make sure who was in class. And so you know, the last thing you want is to be running some foul poles out <laughs> during practice because you weren't there um, at class. Absolutely. Absolutely. So moving from the pressures, obviously, as as we grow up, specifically playing competitive sports, no matter what it is, baseball, football, soccer, tennis, it doesn't really matter. The the foundation of competing up to your potential, you kind of touched on that. You know, you're expected to play well and up to your potential. So the daily grind, it takes a toll on you. So how did you combat the pressures of school and then also the pressures on the field? Like what motivated you internally to make sure that you brought your best every day? You know, I, I chalked this up single-handedly to the guys that I had on the team, you know, and, and that those friendships that we had and that brotherhood that was kind of formed there at Northeastern is it's almost to where, you know, each one of us, you had your accountability partner. And so whenever you have someone that you can lean on, you know, whenever those times are tough or someone that you need to say, hey, make sure you're getting this done. I don't think, we, you know, if we didn't have that, there's no telling necessarily where where I would have been if I didn't have those friendships there. And, you know, having those people, like I said, just as I mentioned, that held me accountable for myself and those expectations that I had. Absolutely. So one of the things that we deal with as student athletes is labeling. I mean, labeling is a serious thing that not necessarily people even think about what's what's going on behind the scenes. And so quite honestly, TJ, you're doing a ton of great work, not only in your school system that you're a part of, but also just outside of outside of the school. I mean, you've obviously we've been able to talk about your family and how plugged in and, and close you guys are. So you're not only battling professional life now but also yeah. personal life. And we can come back to that obviously later on in this episode, but let's talk about the reality of you're a student athlete. Some of the things that people say is, you know, my performance is who I am, or, you know, you're only here for one reason and that's to play the sport. That is your job. That's what you're called here to do. So you just need to do it and forget everything else. Talk about, that for our audience and just speak into how how real labeling can be and how that could either positively or negatively affect somebody's self-worth, especially coming in as a freshman. Yeah, no, most definitely. I, you know, I think specifically with with the the label labeling and coming in as a as a student athlete is, you know, I think too many times the perception is of student athletes is that we're coming there solely for the athletics and that's it. And that's our only focus while we're there is, is we're there just to play ball and, you know, hopes of either going to the next level or just, you know, finishing up our time there. But, you know, for, I know a lot of us is that 
you know, our schooling comes first. And so we need to make sure not, not every single one of us, we're going to go on to the next level and continue this, you know, this life of being a student athlete. And so it was, it was imperative for us to, you know, f- have high focus on, on those grades or our GPA, making sure that we had a plan set in place for us once we did finish that schooling. And so I, you know, I see that even more frequently in today's, you know, athletics is just the, I think the misconception of what truly entails of what a student athlete goes through and, and does not just, I mean, I think it says it perfectly right there, student athlete, but what's first before, before athlete student. Mm. And so, you know, that's, that's what we are first is we are students, the, the athletic part that comes second. And, you know, to that point, TJ, one of the things that I just want to reiterate, I feel like our coaches at Northeastern, they did a very good job of making sure that academics were first and shout out to our coaching staff, then led by coach Travis Jansen. I have utmost respect for that man, but obviously in that moment, we're doing what we're told. We're waking up at 6 a.m. We're going to class. Baseball is a little different. We then have our individual workouts. Then we have our team workouts. And then we have our own pitching workouts. And then we have weights after that. So talk about how you transformed into learning how to manage your time. What did that even look like? Yeah, you know, that that's something not so much in, you know, in, in high school growing up to where that wasn't all handled on my, on my own. I wasn't doing that myself. You know, I had a lot of, I think I helped with my parents then. And then just, you know, I had some great teachers there at the high school that I went to, but that time management, once I got to college, that was something that I had to quickly pick up on and, and, and make some, some changes. And it was a big, big change for me. But that's something that, you know, I didn't realize it then whenever I was in school, how much that was setting me up for life now. And, you know, I think I took that for granted during my time in college is I always just moaned and groaned and complained about, <laughs> you know, why do I got to do this? Why do I have to be there at this? Like, can I get a break? Yeah. <laughs> but just realize, you know, hey, my life hasn't changed much since being a student athlete in the first place. And now that transitioning, going from the time management that was that there was such an emphasis put on that in college has only helped me to where that's excelled even my career now and where I'm at, even with teaching. Yeah, absolutely. It, it reminds me of something that has been instilled in me forever. You to practice yeah. like you play. 100%. Let's, let's talk about practice like you play. How in the daily grind of two-a-days, gearing up in the fall for our spring season, how do you encourage not only the people that are in college now, but just the upcoming generation that are moving into middle school, high school, and then they're soon to be going to college. How do you encourage somebody to practice like you play, even when the days seem forever long? No, yes. You know, I think, and this is something that, that I even tell my 10 new girls uh, softball that I, that I coach now is that every action that, that you have or every action that you perform affects the, whatever's going to come in place next. 
And so if you're, if you're in practice and you're doing T work and you're just taking free hacks, hack after hack, but you're not fine tuning things and working on things. Well, how is that going to transition to game time experience or that game time, that play that needs to be made? If you're not giving in the effort that you need every single pitch or every single ball that that's hit towards you or every single throw that you're throwing, then what do you expect is going to be the end result if you're not putting in the work that's necessary in the beginning? Absolutely. And I think we we tend to just fall into this place of we don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow, much less what's going to happen today. So you were a student athlete. We've definitely talked about that. I just want to shift gears a little bit and get a little bit personal because I think that on the surface, we see athletes for the sport they play and for the statistics throughout the season to get them to the championship, which obviously at the time of this recording, we're in the middle of March Madness. I love March Madness. So it's, it's, wild how things can change just in 10 seconds. I mean, we see that in last second plays of second halves over and over and over again. We see what's on the board, but we don't actually get to know the person. So TJ, I want to transition into who are you as a person? Because I feel like often that gets neglected. And so not only do you have a number on your back representing the name on the front, but you're also representing yourself as a person. So yourself as a person, talk about your personal journey through college. And obviously you're out of college now. So give us a high level overview and then we'll kind of circle back and unpack some of it. Yeah. So, you know, whenever I, I had moved to Northeastern state would have been the fall of 2010. And so you know, I had a really good friend group here back in Fayetteville, but something about me, I was, I was ready for some change and I, and I needed a new environment, some new scenery and, and to make some new friends. Now, now, and I'll be the first to say that whenever I did move to NSU, that my actions and choices that, that I would have made then necessarily would not be the actions or choices that I, that I would make now. And so, you know, even going to that you know, something that I even struggled with was that that temptation or that struggle with not surrounding myself necessarily around the right group of people. And so I didn't realize how much of a negative influence that people could have had on, on myself during that time, which it was very easy for me to get wrapped up in. And so, you know, for as an athlete, that was something, and a student athlete, that was something that I never wanted my fellow teammates to see. And I never wanted my coaches to see or or even my clinical faculties or any of my professors, the daily struggles that I had just as a student athlete. And so, you know, it took years. I think I went throughout college, you know, struggling with that of kind of like my own self-worth and, and, and what I thought of myself. And, you know, that, that necessarily didn't change up until recently to where, you know, after college to where, I was just saved and baptized. And then now my life since then, since college has just taken a complete flip. And so, you know, that, that confidence within myself or 
that appreciation for, you know, my own self-worth has been night and day difference. And that's something you don't, you don't see athletes discuss, or you don't get to hear that side of what's truly going on with, with them throughout their schooling or throughout their, you know, experience of being a student athlete. Absolutely. So let's talk about that. Obviously you're out of college now. You and I have had, fortunately, we've been able to have some offline conversations, not even knowing then that we were going to set up and do this podcast today. And it's amazing how all of that comes back, but obviously you have a faith now. I definitely want to unpack that. But one of the things that not only as it correlates to faith, but it also correlates to real life. And it's this statement right here. You've got to have it all together at all times. You know, as, as pitchers, you and I both, we know that composure is a huge thing when it comes to being on the field. But whenever we go back to our dorms or our apartments, ultimately we feel like we're in this little silo that we don't even know about. So you mentioned that you went through a certain phase where you were with the wrong crowd and you were moving into some uncharted waters or chart waters that you didn't want to even go down. How did you feel through that? I mean, how did you, were there signs that you recognized or things that were put into your life to where you're like, maybe, maybe something's different. How did, how did your mental game transpire throughout college? You know, at at first I, I think I, I struggled with that with, with certain friend groups and that, and, and, you know, the people I was surrounding myself with just because I felt like those groups of people that I were, were accepting of, of who I was then. And I, and I didn't think, and this was a mis like misconception on my own part, but I didn't think that others would accept, you know, some of the faults that I had during, during those times. And so I know that that kind of shut me out to a lot of experiences or, or, making those relationships that I probably should have, but, you know, and I, as far as transpiring through that and finding my way through that, I mean, I, I have to, so I have to give you a shout out on that. And so I'm Addison, I'm honestly here that, you know, you were the first teammate that I had, you know, once I'd gotten to NSU that immediately tried to plug me in to your small groups. And so just to know that, you know, you went out of your way, that was probably the first thing that I had throughout my schooling of having someone that's saying like, Hey man, there's more, there's more to it. Why don't you come over here and come see, come see what we're working with. And so just to, you know, I had to give you props for that because it's, it's people like yourself that, that plant that seed that may not realize or may not get to see that seed grow, but you know, throughout time, like we've gotten to see here with our friendship is that over time, that seed has sprouted and, and it, you're able to trace back to those certain people who have truly made a difference. And so I think just throughout my time, um, give big props to you, Addison, for that. Well, man, I certainly can chalk that up to Jesus and, and God who, who really puts us in positions. You know, I remember I, in my mind right now, I can remember our Bible studies that we had in in the cages on yep. 
on Sundays before the games. And I remember the times that you would just, you know, hit me in the chest and be like, what's up, Addy? What's up, buddy? And it was just those times where it was like, even then, I think not only our bond, but as a team, it became much easier to have open conversations to where we weren't trying to change the world, but we were just trying to have real life conversations that not gave us some rah, 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 but it actually said, TJ, you're a real person. You're a real person. Brooks, David, Jansen showed up to some devos. Like the aspect of community that you're talking about, it's not just one guy that that did it. It's just all of us that do. So let's talk about your God moment. You go to college. There's obviously seeds planted in your life, which, man, that's like a great heart wrench right there, man. I greatly appreciate that. And then you move into, hey, what's this faith thing? Like, I'm going to the Devos. I'm kind of getting plugged in, but I'm not really sure. Walk us through that journey, because I feel like that's something that people don't necessarily talk about. Yeah. Man, I, I was one, you know, even during that time during the Devos there in college with you guys is I, I was still stuck on the whole saying, which which is very cliche. And I'm sure we hear too many times is seeing is believing. Mm. And so, man, I, I, I was stuck there. And so I just couldn't throughout my college experience, I couldn't see it. And I was just like, man, if I'm if I'm going to believe, I've got to see something. Like I've, I've got to see physical proof in, in front of me or he, see someone, see God himself like, oh, okay, now I believe, you know, but that for myself, that wasn't necessarily it. And then if you want me to go ahead and touch on like, as far as you mentioned, as far as the God moment that, um, you know, it kind of transpired once I was out of college, even more so was, I think it was my father's passing was was a big one for me and so in november november 1st of 2019 he had passed and so you know that that was a difficult thing for just my family and, and myself especially you know losing losing my dad and realize you know that was my guy that i could lean on and go to for things but it wasn't until probably about a year later and i had a student on my caseload and Man, I just, I'm telling you, the student was the epitome of my father, like just extremely athletic, misunderstood by a lot of his, his classmates, his peers, you know, the teachers that were involved in his life and just struggled, you know, with some of his behavior needs that he had. And so this kid and I really hit it off, man. I mean, so he could come down to my room every morning for like check in, check out system. We just go over his day, see how we're going to get things started. And his reward was drawing pictures with, with Mr. Foster. That was his big thing to do. So I kid you not, for three months, three months straight, this kid drew pictures of dragons. And so I got them all hanging up in my, in my office at school. And one day, it was the first day he had a little hiccup at school. And, so, you know, I'm telling him, 
I'm telling the students, hey, buddy, it's okay. We're allowed to have these days. No one's perfect. Like, no one is perfect. And this, this kid looks at me in all seriousness and just goes, Mr. Foster, God's perfect. And I'm, I kid you not, the, the hairs on my arms just stood up. I didn't, I didn't know what he just said. I was like, okay, man. All right. All right, buddy. And so, I, you know, I, I let him go draw after that. I was like, okay. He's just blowing my mind right now. I don't know where that came from. And so, you know, I'm looking at his, his picture. And next thing you know, I'm starting to look what he's drawing. And he's drawing a football player. And so, you know, immediately I'm like, why, why not a dragon? I was like, I have 90 pictures of dragons in my office. So now you're drawing a football player. Like, what's, what's the mix up here? And so I look at this and I was like, okay, I'm just going to keep on seeing what he's doing here. And next thing you know, he's starting to draw a number on this football player. And so that number that he wrote was number 44. And that was my dad's high school football number. So what I took just then, I was like, this kid just drew a picture of my dad. And so poor kid, I interrogated them so bad. I was like, I turned around, went to our e-school like database. I was like, okay, there's got to be a 44 in his address. Nothing. I was like, okay, maybe his parents' phone numbers. No 44. But I look at him. I was like, buddy, hey, why, why, why that number? He goes, I have no clue. I said, what, what do you mean you have no clue? He said, it's just, it just came to me. So immediately, man, this, this something just overtook my body and I was just in tears. I was like, hey, man, you got to go back to class. I'm not, I'm not for sure what's happening right now, but you've got, you've got to go. <laughs> and so, you know, that, that, was, that was the first thing that I really had in my life. That was my God moment. I was like, oh my gosh, this God is speaking through this child. To, to get my attention and just realizing how powerful that was at that moment. That's amazing. So the, the student writes the number on the drawing. Obviously I'm sure yeah. that picture is also hanging on the wall. Do you still have that picture? Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That, that, that's one that will be staying with me. Absolutely. Among, among all the other close things that we have happened to us in this life. So you have that moment in the classroom. Obviously, you've got to go back to class and you've got to recompose yourself because it's not like you can just take a vacation and go to the beach. What happened after that? What are some of the other things that you've been able to experience where you, you can see God moving in your life. Yeah, no, most definitely. So, you know, I, I kind of let that one slide for a couple months um, and just chalked it up. And it's like, I didn't really tell anyone about it because at that moment I thought I was losing my mind. And so I, I didn't feel like I could open up and discuss with anyone like, Hey, this is what happened. What does that mean? Cause then I, I was, I guess, too worried about the perception of others and saying, Oh man, you're crazy. You've lost your mind. Yeah. And so you know, a few months went by, and right after that, I, I would start to see license plates that had my initials on them just around my school. And so, you know, I, I'm seeing this, I'm like, okay, this is odd. Like, what is this? Like, every single one that I drive by said TJF. So I, like, jokingly, you know, I called the family members and said, hey, I think I'm supposed to do something with cars. Like, I think this might be a sign. Like, do I need to be working with cars and then quickly realized that wasn't 
not my area come to the one like from the one who's i've fried two cars from not changing my oil oh, so it's no. like i know i don't i know i do i i do not need to do anything with cars whatsoever so you know that happened and then i'd say one of my bigger moments is knowing that my my dad struggled um towards the latter part of his life with substance abuse and that was that was a big thing for him and as much as I never wanted to admit that myself, that was something that I was going through that, you know, I didn't realize that that whole time that, that, that God saw the pain and, and the struggles that I was going through and that he had a plan for me, but really what I needed to do is just believe in him, you know, and show him that for his, it's all for his will and whatever, whatever I'm going through at that moment, that, something good's going to come out of that. You know, God puts people in, into our lives for a certain reason. And, you know, my mom, whenever she was 18, had to give her first up, um, son up for adoption. And I quickly made the connection of what God did and his workings for that were my mom had experienced something similar that I, that I had just gone through. What better of a person to be in my life at that moment than my own mother who had experienced something similar to where I was able to lean on her during that time because of her experience with that. And so, you know, those are those moments just that each day and each time I go back and look at every single person I've met, I've met for a reason. Like there's nothing, there's nothing coincidental about anything that happens in our lives. Like everything happens for a purpose and just knowing that that's all up to him. Absolutely. There's no feelings or descriptions that could talk through what you've personally gone through. And we don't necessarily need to unpack all of that, but as far as going through that situation with your mother specifically, obviously yeah. that strength in and of itself, dealing with that through family, you mentioned that happened last year. So walk us quickly through your recent conversion in Christ. I would love to just unpack that as we close out into what does TJ look like today? Yeah, man. So I remember very vividly that, that morning that, that I had, I had given you a call and, and I just had, I had said that day, it was right whenever, you know, all these signs that were happening for myself and, and realizing it's like, Oh man, this is God right now reaching out to me. And then, you were the first person I reached out to and said, like, Hey man, what do, what do I do from here? Like, where do I go from here? And so you actually set me up with the church there in Prairie Grove um, that I went to. And so, you know, going from there being saved that day. And then, you know, my met, you had plugged me in with the church there in, in Prairie Grove. And so was just saved on July 25th of this past year. And then thankfully to some of my colleagues that I have at the school, you know, I was really struggling with which church to, was going to be my fit or where, where I um, would feel like my home base. And so, you know, that was something that morning before church that I was going to um, First Baptist here in Bentonville with some colleagues of mine. And, you know, I had that conversation with the mom. I was like, mom, I'm struggling right now on, on where to go and how to find my fit. And, and man, I kid you not, the entire sermon that our, that our pastor preached about that day was about was about that finding your fit and so you know i knew right then and there i was like okay hey 
this is it. Now it's time to get linked up and, and plugged in with this church um, going forward and see, see how I can serve. Absolutely. That's awesome. So TJ, bringing it full circle, obviously we've been removed from the college scene for quite some time, unfortunately. <laughs> right. <laughs> Let's first talk about the college athlete entering into his or her freshman year. What advice are you giving our audience right now? I'd say the most crucial advice I could, I could give right now for especially like our incoming freshmen as athletes is to link up, link up and find that, that sense of community. And whenever I say community, I don't mean necessarily just like, you know, a particular area uh, of people or where you're at demographically. Or, uh, I think with that is you find, you find groups of people that are going to, you know, encourage you or those ones that are going to provide that love for you, you know, whenever the, the going gets tough. And so, you know, I think that's my biggest advice for incoming athletes is find a good group, find a good group that especially that, that meets weekly on a weekly basis and does small group study. Um, Cause those are the friends that you'll hold near and dear to your life and, you, and the friendships that you won't ever forget. Um, the re- I mean, the rest of your life. Absolutely. Absolutely. So four years later, freshman is leaving college. We both had to hang up our cleats for the last time at, at different stages in our careers. And how do we combat hanging up our cleats for the first time and having an identity? How do you speak to that senior that's about to exit into the real world? Yeah. You know, with that, that was such a, that was a difficult step, man. Of hanging out the cleats and realizing, okay, like, Hey, what's next? My, you know, with that, my, my biggest advice for that going forward um, with that step is again, you know, kind of similar to my last one with incoming freshmen, but is, you know, get back, whether you're coming back to your hometown or wherever you're going is, is link up, find, find that sense of community that you need, you know, plug into those small groups, find yourself a home church. And especially, you know, biggest thing is, is make sure that, that you're giving your time and you're serving how, however you can do it. Just find, find those times that you can find that sense of community and, and those groups of fellow believers. Absolutely. Thanks so much, TJ. There is one additional thing that I want to talk about that I don't necessarily feel like we should leave untouched. Let's talk yeah. about where you are right now in your faith journey. Obviously, you mentioned that you're plugged into church. How do you practically live out your faith in the classroom and now as a coach of a young generation? You know, I think as far as, you know, with, with my faith living that out is I think that all comes to my actions and and not so much the words that I have, but people are going to be more observant of my actions and what it is that I am doing whether that's in the, in the classroom, whether that's on the field is people are looking for that consistency and, and looking for that approach that, you know, no matter what's going on, that adversity that's, that maybe you may be facing, 
they're going to be the same person day in, day out. And that's something that I, I truly strive to, to, to continue now and just really let my students and my athletes see that, you know, hey, we're all going to go through, you know, our own obstacles, our own battles. But boy, it's, it's crucial to know that we're never going through those alone. And so we, whenever, whenever our, my student athletes or even just my students in the classroom can see that, I think that makes the world a difference for them. Absolutely. TJ, it has certainly been a pleasure to have you on today, not only knowing you as a, as a teammate, but obviously as, as a person now. I mean, it's so cool to have been able to not only be a teammate to you over five years ago, but for us to be able to walk through this journey together a couple states away, it's just so crucial to what you say about being in community. I feel like community, whenever you think of community, you think of I've got to be in big crowds and I've got to go places and do these big yeah. things to be plugged in. But let's be honest for everybody involved in you and I, as well as listening to this podcast community is what you and I are doing right now. It doesn't have to be a big show. It's literally linking up. Like you say, just taking actions to be with other people or another person and to not take the big groups for granted because they have their place and they're very valuable. But practically when you get down to what community means, community ultimately means doing life together. But TJ, I'm going to close out the podcast today. Thank you so much for being a guest. I love your story. I love your passion, not only as a man of faith, but what you do in the classroom. It's so powerful because you're not only leading by action, but you're also allowing students to have an opportunity to be themselves and learn and be immersed in a great environment, especially a positive environment. So kudos to you, my friend. Thank you, buddy. Thank you, man.